The Christmas Box, Chapter Number Six. Joe had just finished the final touches on the box he was working on and stood back to see the finished product. Overall, the box was not very large, but then again, it was not too small. All of his boxes were the si uh, same size, 12 inches wide by 6 inches deep and then 4 inches tall. This particular box he had built out of pine and had stained it with one of his favorite shades. This is not what made the box special. What made the boxes special is what he did with the lids for the boxes. Each one had a distinct, authentic, and original carving, and sometimes painting, when he felt like it, of whatever crossed his mind on the day he began working on the lid. Building these boxes had actually been the idea of Bell's from the start. Joe had always loved working with wood, and it seemed to find a knack with carving out shapes and intricate patterns in some of the pieces he completed. To be honest, when he got out of the Army, he had some trouble coping with civilian life and had even confided in Bells that he was struggling with what to do with his life. At first, he had every intention of making the Army a career, but with the recent increase in terrorist activity and having experienced firsthand some of the horrors that come from war, he knew he had better break apart from it or he would never recover. As it was, he had nearly waited too long. Bells had no idea or understanding of what Joe was going through, but still, it had broken her heart to see him struggle with this. She knew he could be private with about many of the things he had witnessed. Some he flat refused to talk to her about, and she had caught him several times uh, out in the barn, uh, broken down, kneeling in the on the ground, and crying like a baby. She was desperately hopeless about what to do, and had mentioned it to her father, who had seen uh, some action uh, during his service, uh, seen no action during his service, but knew all too well the stories of others who had. He suggested getting uh, him to focus on something he loves, and it could be a way of expressing himself as well as a way to release some of the hurt and anger bottled up inside. And so it was, one morning when Joe got up and walked into the kitchen, he found Bells leaning against the counter waiting for him. He noticed that she was leaning there with her hands together in front of her as though she was unsure of something. Is everything okay? He asked. No, Joey. No, it's not. I've been watching you struggle with whatever's on your mind, and I want to help. I have an idea if you're willing to try it. I think it'll be good for you, and it might just be the answer you're looking for. At least, I hope it is, she said. Joe had not been expecting anything like this, but understood Bells knew he was struggling and totally trusted her with all his heart. He too wanted to find some way to deal with this hurt and pain. And maybe, just maybe she had found the answer. Okay, uh, let's try it, he said. Belle seemed to beam with excitement as she was prone to do and placed her hands together to her lips like she was praying. First, let's eat breakfast and then I'll tell you what I've come up with, she said. After breakfast was over, she took the dishes away. She would clean them later. Right now was the time to focus on Joey. She began by explaining that when she was little, sometimes she would get really frustrated by something or had a problem or situation that she didn't know how to deal with and would get angry until she just, until she could figure things out. Now, one day her dad had come to her with a small box in his hand. It was decorated on the outside and was very pretty to her. He told her that getting angry all the time was not healthy, nor was it good practice on how to deal with things. He had handed her the small box and she opened it to see what was inside. 
Confused, she had asked her dad why the box was empty. He had simply smiled at her in his wise way and told her that whenever she had a problem or situation that she was struggling with, she should take it and place it in that little box. This would allow her to focus her attention on the problem when she wanted to and not trouble her when she didn't. When she figured out the problem, she was to open the lid of the box and just let it go. And that's what I think you should do, Joey. You're so good working with your hands in that wood shop of yours. I've seen how incredible some of your work is. Let's put it into practice. Why don't you try to make a box or two? Make them look like whatever you want, and let's just see if it helps, she had said. Joe thought about it for a moment and realized that he was entertaining the idea of some various plans in his head for a few boxes. He smiled at her and replied, You always know what to do, Bells. Within a few short weeks, Joe had furiously gone to work on the boxes. Before he realized it, he'd made over 20 different boxes of various kinds of wood, styles, colors, and designs. He didn't really know what to do with them all, so he just sat them up on a shelf to collect some dust until he could take the time to figure that step out. Bells, however, wasted no time in figuring out what to do with them. She took a few of the boxes to the local store and showed them to Mr. Charlie, who was amazed at their detail. He offered, he offered her a spot on the shelf right there, uh, right then and there. Uh, but she didn't know how Joe would react, so she made Mr. Charlie promise not to reveal to anyone where they came from. She also placed a few in online stores and was thrilled when they immediately sold within a few hours. But none of this mattered to her as much as the noticeable change in Joe's disposition, attitude, and overall health. Lately, he seemed to jump out of bed and couldn't wait to get out into the wood shop. Two, he had been increasingly frisky with her, chasing her around the house and just enjoying life once again, and Bells could not have been happier. The boxes became a seemingly overnight hit online and in Mr. Charlie's store, so she worked up the courage to tell Joe what she was doing with the boxes, and he was okay with it, almost excited by the prospect of being able to share the boxes with others. Given that they flew off the shelves so fast and that they were in such high demand, Joe and Bells decided to increase the cost, more so to decrease the demand than to gain more income. Bells even started helping Joe with some of the construction part of the boxes, which he seemed to enjoy teaching her about as much as she enjoyed spending the time with him and just thanking God all the time that Joe seemed to be breaking through whatever had nearly broken him down. <clears throat> Things were going great. Joe was excited about the boxes and was gaining confidence in creating some really intricate boxes while Belle's job at the local hospital was going great. It was so great that she had just accepted a huge promotion with the hospital and was in a hurry to get home to tell Joe the good news. She had been so excited, unfortunately, that she didn't notice the huge truck barreling toward the intersection, unaware of the flashing red stoplight. Joe thought back to that horrible day. He was just finishing up a box that he was really proud of. It had a small country church on it with snow on the ground and a small child coming down the hill on a sled. The image was a recreation of a time he remembered from when he was a kid. He couldn't wait to show Bells this one. He was cleaning up in the shop and heard the car pull in the driveway. The door was ajar as it wasn't too cool, cold outside just yet, so he could see that it was much darker than he thought. Uh, he glanced at his watch and realized that she was nearly two hours later than normal. He shrugged it off and grabbed the little box before heading out the door. 
Bells, wait until I show you this one. It has to be one of my best ones yet, he said as he stepped outside the door. But it was not Bell's car in the driveway. In fact, it wasn't even Bell's. He was totally confused and didn't understand why Sheriff Rogers was in the driveway until he noticed the expression on his face and it became all too clear. Joe, I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but, but Bell is gone, he said. Joe was in such shock that he just dropped the small box to the ground, right before he did too. The funeral had been so surreal to him, he just couldn't focus on the present and grasp the reality of everything that had happened. His mom and dad had both passed away from, for some time now, and as an only child, he really didn't have anyone else on his side of the family. But Belle's mom and dad, even through their own pain and suffering, had been right there with him. It was rather fortunate that they had moved to this area for a job opportunity for her dad. That they only lived about 15 minutes away was a fact that had immediately sold this house for Bells. Joe realized he was standing at the door of the wood shop and staring back at the house that he and Bells had hoped to one day fill with as many kids as they could have. They had never really been any time to discuss a number of how many, and he strangely felt, uh, strangely found himself contemplating just how many kids the house could have possibly held. Joe had served in the Army about seven years and had two tours overseas in Afghanistan. Right there by his side, as promised, Gabe had been with him through the whole ordeal. He had even made multiple promises to Bells to not let anything happen to Joe while they were deployed, and he kept his promise. To the very day he died, saving Joe's life during an ambush attack. Joe still couldn't think too long on that day. All he could handle was the image of him sitting on the ground, holding Gabe in his arms and screaming as Gabe bled out on him while saying, I got you, man. I got you. It was just too much for Joe, and he decided to get out. Bells was all too happy to hear this good news as she spent nearly every single night he was away nearly coming apart with worry. Without any really solid plans, Joe and Bella Burrow left Fort Bragg and headed to her parents' home in Franklinville. The house had been pretty much a miracle find for them. Uh, they had been looking for quite some time, but the rural nature of the area, as well as the large amounts of land being sold off in chunks everywhere, meant that the market was flooded with buyers and everything was just way too expensive. One day, while they were both gathering some groceries at Mr. Charlie's store, they were discussing their situation and he overheard them. Y'all having trouble finding a place to live, he asked in his slow southern drawl. Bella sighed deeply and then replied, we sure are. Everything's just too expensive around here. He didn't say anything else, but continued to bag their groceries for a while. When he was done, he handed the last bag to Bells. When she tried to turn with the bag, Mr. Charlie wouldn't let it go. I'll tell you what. You're nice folks. Bella, I've known you since you was a little thing. We like family, you know. I happen to know that old Dan Trogdon has a separate house on some property that he was renting out last year until last year. He's been thinking about selling the place. I'd be glad to pass your names to him if y'all be interested in an old farmhouse that might need a little work. Oh, wow, Mr. Charlie. That, that would be just amazing, Bells had replied. Mr. Charlie was true to his word. He passed their names along. Mr. Trogdon had contacted them. They came by to look at the place, fell in love with it, and praying they could pull this off, asked him about the price. Although Bells didn't personally know Mr. Trogdon 
She had gone to school a few years ahead of his daughter, uh, but they didn't know each other. He asked about their backgrounds, was immediately interested in Joe's service in the military, and asked a lot of questions about it. Inevitably, Mr. Trogdon asked Joe if he had seen any action overseas, of which it was understood he meant Afghanistan or Iraq, and Joe immediately shut down, trying to change the subject. Bells hoped and prayed that Joe had not ruined a good opportunity and come off as rude or anything, but she could see some kind of understanding in Mr. Trogdon's eyes. He had nodded a few times and just glanced off in the distance for a few minutes. Well, I've been kind of muddling over settling this place, our property, for a while. I don't need the money or anything. I've just been waiting on the right opportunity to come along. I have no doubt that a young couple like yourself has been having a hard time trying to find a place you can afford. Am I right? He asked as they both nodded in agreement. All right, then. I'll tell you what. You promised to spruce the place up a little? make it look like an actual home again. On top of that, if you'll help me out every now and then, if I need some extra help with handling things around the farm, then I'll sell you the place for, let's say, $50,000. How's that grab you? He said. Bells and Joe could only look at each other in disbelief. Oh, Mr. Trogdon, that's an incredible deal, but we can't accept such a low offer. That, that's just not right, Bells replied. Mr. Trogdon just simply smiled, looked at the two of them, and then said, Look, I just said I don't need the money. Shoot, I'd almost give you the place if the neighborhood wouldn't just about crucify me. I look at you two, and it reminds me of when me and my dear wife was just starting out. We had a neighbor down the road a ways who kind of took us under his wing, and we helped him out every now and then, and then since he was on his own. I, I couldn't ask for better neighbors. And who better to make a deal with than a veteran and his young wife? Bells and Joe had just looked at each other, knowing all along they simply could not refuse a deal like this, and had agreed to the deal right there on the spot, as was done way down south with a promise and a handshake. Joe noticed that the snow was letting up. He decided to go visit Bell's grave plot on the back of their property here. It was a very beautiful spot that although they had never thought they needed to make plans for, he had believed down in his heart that she would want to be here with him on their land. It was in the back corner, a cleared out spot in the woods, right by the wide creek that ran across his property from Mr. Trogdon's. He never even knew it was back here until after they had been here for two years. He had been curious one day and decided to walk the entire property line. When he discovered the creek, he remembered thinking it reminded him of the ones in the mountains, wide, shallow, and running fast. He had mentioned it to Bells and told her that when he found the time, he would like to build a small cottage back there to enjoy it all in the summertime. She had thought it was a great idea, too. And so, he began walking toward the plot, deciding to tell her about him thinking of her today and all the boxes that he had been able to finish just in time for Christmas. She liked hearing about the boxes. Chapter 7 <coughs> Just after lunch, the snow started slowing down just to just a trickle. Nathan was getting bored, stuck in the house with very few of his toys. He decided to ask his mom if he could go outside. He came down the stairs and saw her sitting at the kitchen table, staring outside the snow. He knew this meant she was thinking, most likely about his grandma or maybe his dad. She did a lot of that too. He decided to just leave her alone. 
uh, but she had heard him and turned to face him smiling. Hey, little bug, what's on your mind for today? She asked. <clears throat> he hesitated at first, but then decided that maybe this would be good for her too. I was thinking about going outside and looking around. I'm kind of bored stuck in here without all my other toys, he replied. His mom nodded her head in agreement and looked again out the window. It does seem like the snow is letting up a little. Do you want me to join you or do you want to go out uh, exploring by yourself? Normally, she would absolutely not let Nathan go outside on his own, but here she felt safe enough to allow it. She did actually grow up here, and except for maybe a house or two, she knew all the neighbors. I think I'll just walk around by myself if that's okay, he replied. Sure, bug. Just stay close to the house so I can keep an eye on you. Understand? She asked. Sure, Mom, I will, he said as he headed back up the steps to put on his play clothes that were still hanging on the end of his bed. He had worn them yesterday while they were outside for a little while. He wasn't outside long enough to get them dirty, so his mom had just told him to hang them on the end of the bed for the next time. He came back down a few minutes later and headed to the kitchen door. His mom was waiting there with his coat and gloves. She just smiled at him and, and she, as she tried not to help him too much, he insisted on dressing himself these days. When he was fully dressed, he opened the door and heard her, her say as he stepped across the snow-covered back porch, Be careful. I remember there used to be an old creek somewhere across the backwoods. Don't go out that far. I won't, Mom, he said, without turning around. <clears throat> he stopped at the top of the steps and took in everything he could see in the backyard, scanning from left to right. Several old buildings. One of the big ones had to be the barn. Definitely checking that out, he thought. Then he noticed some smaller buildings here and there that he had seen yesterday and was curious about what they held inside. There was an old tractor that looked like it hadn't moved in a long time. And then there were some strange looking metal things, all different colors and shapes, near one of the other buildings where he had heard his mom say yesterday that the tractor was in. He thought about it a minute and just figured that these things must be something for the tractor and had to do with farming. He decided to check out the big barn first and headed out. He walked across the yard, leaving a trail of disturbed snow that had just before been a pretty and smooth flat surface of snow. He wished that the snow could stay like this all the time, sort of like the sand at the beach and how it would magically fall back into place after the waves washed over it. He still had no idea how that was possible. He approached the doors of the barn and saw that there was only a wooden latch of some kind keeping the right door closed. He easily flipped it up and pulled on the door, opening it up what he could only imagine would be a ton of stuff he was just waiting to see. <clears throat> As the door swung open and his eyes adjusted to the darker area, he was immediately disappointed at the emptiness. Uh, there was some loose straw on the dirt floor and a few pieces of weird things he didn't recognize hanging on the walls. He could see that there were a few stalls for animals, but there had not been animals in here for a while, a fact he learned several days ago when he had asked his mom about it when he saw the barn for the first time and had figured there must be animals inside since they were in all his books. He could smell the musty air and thought that he liked it. Some of the books he had read said that barns smelled bad, but that this one didn't. He found a light switch and cut on the lights. Immediately, the entire area was bathed in bright light, and he could see pretty much everything from the door. There were several doors on each side, some so there had to be rooms with stuff in them. He would certainly have to check that out. <clears throat> and then he also noticed that there was a second floor. Well, there was almost a second floor. The middle of the barn was open all the way up to the roof, 
<clears throat> but there was a second floor on top of the stalls and rooms on both sides. He was satisfied that there was plenty to explore in here. He stood there debating whether he should go uh, do the exploring now or check out the rest of the yard and decided to explore the rest of the yard, see what was around, and then come back here if nothing else seemed exciting enough to him. He closed the door and continued walking further away from the house. He was excited to have noticed the backyard when they first arrived. It was a massive backyard with all kinds of stuff around, plenty of room to play. He had already imagined all kinds of war games and monsters to be dealt with back there over the next few days or weeks, maybe even longer than that, he imagined. He was nearing the back of the yard and approaching the woods when he noticed there was a wide path on the right side that disappeared back into the woods. He turned around to see how far uh, he was from the house, which wasn't all that far, and thought about whether he should stay in the yard or explore this curious path that made his way back into the woods. He looked around, all around, studying the layout here and saw that the path was one that had been used quite often. While the snow had covered everything, he could see that the pathway had no grass growing up in it, so it looked like someone, probably his grandpa, had used it often enough. <clears throat> the woods themselves from close up didn't seem to be all that thick. Several trees were spread out here and there, and there didn't seem to be a lot of weeds coming up out of the snow. He stood there wondering, what he wanted to do versus what he should do and decided that curiosity would win out at least for a little ways he didn't want to go so far that he couldn't hear if his mom called out for him so he leaned forward in the snow and started off down the path <coughs> he kept looking all around him measuring how far into the woods he had gone and whether or not he could see anything ahead of him the path seemed to dip down a little into what looked like a clearing. At least he noticed there was an edge to the woods. By now his curiosity was in full control and he just had to go all the way. <clears throat> As he approached the edge of the woods, he could hear another sound, sort of like a trickling sound and realized that it must be the water. Uh, this must be the creek his mom had warned him about. From where he stood, he couldn't see it, but he knew he was getting close as the sound was getting louder. He looked around and realized that this must have been some kind of field or something. It was a pretty big clearing and there was high grass sticking up out of the snow. Not daring to get closer to the water until his mom could come with him, he had decided to go back. She would notice he was gone any minute now anyway, so he turned to head back and then came to a complete stop. <clears throat> he noticed there was a sound, very faint, but just loud enough to hear. He couldn't figure out what it was. Maybe some kind of animal? He started to get nervous and was about to run back up the trail uh, when he heard a man laugh. Now, this was curious, he thought. He wanted to know more about what was going on. He could tell it was off to his left, probably a man who lived next to them. The woods here, again, were not too thick, but they would offer enough... Uh, the woods here, again, were not too thick, but they would offer enough uh, places for him to try and hide while trying to figure out what who this man was and what he was doing. <clears throat> Nathan was not old enough to have figured it out, but with the sound of the creek and the cover of snow on the ground, he was nearly silent 
as he crept through the woods nearer and nearer to the voice he had heard. He could slowly start hearing the voice louder, telling him that he was getting pretty close. He could see the back of the man now. He was wearing a black toboggan and a brown-colored coat. Nathan could tell the man was looking down toward the ground, and so he tried to stand up on his tiptoes to get a better look at what the man seemed to be talking to. Nathan could only make out the top of what he thought looked like something he had seen a few days ago. He didn't know what it was called, but during the funeral for his grandpa, there had been a whole lot of them spread out across the big yard. He could only imagine that it had something to do with a grave. He remembered a bunch of them had names on them. Nathan curiously watched the man as he seemed to be talking to what he could only think of as a big gray rock. He could see that it was very smooth on the front and had some writing on it. Just then the man looked up toward the trees and wiped his face. Suddenly, Nathan realized that the man had not been laughing. He'd been crying. Then, as if his realization had set off some kind of alarm, <clears throat> the man turned around and looked directly at him. At first, Nathan was afraid to move, having been discovered in his hiding place. He also noticed that while this was, in fact, a man, <clears throat> he was much younger than he thought he looked from behind. Nathan suddenly felt like he was in a place that he was not invited to, and he didn't belong here. <clears throat> Nathan didn't really know what to do. The man didn't seem to be mad or angry. He was just curiously looking at him and not saying anything. Nathan blurted out, I'm sorry, and then turned around and ran back up the trail to the house. His mom had not even realized he was <clears throat> gone down the trail, down the trail, so all was good. <clears throat> he climbed the steps onto the porch and started kicking the snow off his boots. His mom opened the back door then and just looked at him with one of her looks. Did you find anything, she asked. He was startled at first, thinking she must have been watching him the whole time, but then he realized she was just asking how it went. Not too much, he replied, as he made his way inside the door into the warm kitchen. He went up to his room for a while and could only think about this man. He didn't seem mean or even threatening to Nathan. In fact, he realized, as he imagined the look on the man's face once again, that this man's expression looked a whole lot like his mom's.